I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Did you make a dinner reservation? Not yet. Okay. We're just planning a, our anniversary date. Are we recording now? We are. Is that the beginning of the show? <laughs> I think so. Welcome to the Kate and Mike show. Well, do you want to hop in in the middle of our conversation? Yeah. Where do this you guys want to go to dinner? This is Mike. Welcome. We're happy to have you. We're happy to be here. I want to celebrate today that Ruby happily. So we, ha- I don't think we've mentioned on the Kate and Mike show yet that we have a new person living with us in our house. And we have been considering having an au pair for a while now. Actually, ever since 2016, I think we've been talking about it. And we decided at the beginning of this year, as some changes were going down with our childcare scenario and our business, that we were in a new season and we would love to have that experience. And so we went through the process and the first so originally, I speak some Spanish. Hablo un poquito español. <laughs> that was terrible, but usually I'm better than that. But um, I caught myself gonna, off guard. You're going to impress all the Spanish speaking listeners? I did not impress anybody with that. Although Penelope, we do have a few books in Spanish. Penelope loves it when I read them to her. So anyway, I thought, oh, maybe we could find somebody from a Spanish speaking country. And then I would be able to speak you know, practice Spanish, whatever. And then as I was doing my search, I came across this woman and I just, I don't know her face. Just, I was just like, I, I don't know. I just, I really, I've got a feeling about her. And she's from Brazil, which obviously is not a Spanish speaking country. And I speak no Portuguese, but I was like, well, what the heck I'll reach out. And so we ended up being on FaceTime and the connection was really bad. Like the Wi-Fi was terrible. We had so many tech issues her English is not amazing, but I just got off the phone and I was like, I love her. Like we just really connected and we ended up talking a few more times. And then she reached out to the agency and said, I want to match with that family. Like I want to go live with them. And they said, that doesn't happen all that often. Usually you have to like ask a whole bunch of au pairs and, and they are like, they're very much the one, you know, doing the choosing not so much the families for the most part and so i felt so honored and we felt the same way so anyway we matched with her she was supposed to come march 20th obviously she did not come march 20th and so then in early may we got an email saying amanda's coming and we were like what like we just assumed with the pandemic she would never come and we were just like well we're never gonna have childcare again so what's our life like now i actually literally did i had a I, i think i've talked about this i don't know on the podcast but i talked about it in the do less um book club which by the way you can still access those four sessions in our do less facebook group and also on my youtube channel if you wanna do your own you know, guided book club with me or gather some friends. You could always do that. So anyway, we thought I actually had called Dr. Shafali, um, Dr. Shafali Sabari, because I was freaking out and I was like, I need help. <laughs> so I was in a total freak out about having no childcare and like none in sight. And she looked at me and she was like, Kate, I will not try to do her accent. I will spare you that. But she, it's so beautiful the way she speaks. She just looked at me with her like intense eyes on FaceTime. And she was like, Kate, this is your life now. <laughs> <laughs> you are not going back to normal. This is your life now. And you are making it harder than it needs to be. And I was just like, damn, you're so right. Like I just, you know, it's like one of those moments where I just like started to sweat immediately because I knew she was right. And so... Anyway, so we had really, I had moved into, okay, this is my life. Like the children are here and I'm working and whatever. And I did write an article PS, or I was a contributor to an article with three ways to get a full day's work in, even when you have no children, uh, sorry, even when you have no children. Well, if you have no children, like rock on, (laughs) but if you have children at home, the article was how to get in a full day of work when you have children at home. So that 
is on Forbes and we'll link it in the show notes. Check it out. I also posted about it on my Instagram. So that was kind of cool. It was a um, good write-up. Thank you. And shout out to Selena Sue and Linnea Floyd who supported me on that. Okay. What am I even talking about? Oh, and so we got an email that Amanda was coming from Brazil and we were like, wait, what? And so she showed up on May 15th. She showed up. There was a whole debacle with her travel, but she she got here. Well, did she tell you when she landed in Boston what happened? No. So she had to take three planes, one from Sao Paulo to Houston, Houston to isn't DC. It, isn't it Sao Paulo? Or is it yeah, Sao Sa- Paulo? I'm looking it up. Yeah, it's not San. Did I say San Paulo? Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo? Yeah. It's S-A-O, it's right? S-A-O. Yeah. Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo, Brazil. Sao Paulo. Okay. Well, people listening My to this Portuguese podcast will get better, folks. Already know that Mike can't pronounce English words, so let's go to Portuguese. I did. I started saying like a sentence in Portuguese, and I was like, yes, I am taking over Portuguese. Did language. Amanda laugh? Yeah, it was funny. But she was supposed to fly from Brazil to... Houston, Houston to DC, DC to Maine. And we had a really bad storm that came in on her flight from DC. And this woman has never left Brazil. And she'd never been on an airplane never before. Never was on an airplane before. And so then she got diverted to Boston. And so from Boston to our place, you can either take a bus or a train or they would have flew her back, but they basically were just like, we're landing you in Boston and figure out your No, way. yeah, it was like, we're, you're, we're landing the plane in Boston. Good luck. Yeah, basically. Like, this is not your destination, but here, this so is where we you booked, are. We, booked, we got a hotel booked and the taxi cab driver that picked her up was from Brazil. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so he like so lived and she was great. like, what is happening here? Yeah, she told me about it. It was pretty cool. So anyway, you were talking about the travel. Anyway, so she ended up, we had to so, hire an Uber for the next morning to bring her back to bring her to get, get her to Maine. She was a rock star. She made it. She quarantined for two weeks at an apartment that's attached to my mom's house. And then she moved in with us. And so it's been such a dream ever since. But I have no idea why I'm talking about Amanda because I've completely lost Somebody track. moving in with us. And then something yeah. with Ruby this morning. Oh, oh my God. That was all to tell you. <laughs> I'm good story so- Kate <laughs> wow aren't you so glad you're investing this time right now it's gonna get really good in a minute all of that was to say that we have been managing some separation anxiety issues with Ruby and some you know a little difficulty with her when we leave and she's with Amanda even though Amanda is just completely wonderful but you know Ruby's too and this morning I got out Ruby's little sandals for them to go walk and see the horses at the um, farm that's nearby and Ruby sits down to put on her sandals and she goes bye mama (laughs) see you later and I was like oh my gosh and so I just like walked down to the basement and nobody cried I didn't have to hide I didn't have to like ploy her with a TV show it was amazing so I'm celebrating that and I'm also celebrating Amanda Mm -hmm. and celebrating you know living with somebody from a different country and just we're learning so much and it's just been like it's pretty dreamy it's been very challenging and also dreamy and I feel Mm -hmm. like we're really blessed yeah, an interesting conversation with Penelope about that on the way to school today. So we're just like navigating all the waters. Yeah. Our girls have a lot of feelings and they also love Amanda. You know, it's complicated. It is because, it, you know, Penelope thought she was being replaced in a way. No, or she not, thought she, not her, Amanda but, was replacing us. Yeah, replacing us. And so, and then Kate, when the first two weeks that Amanda was here, Kate was working a lot. So it's like everything. After three and a half months of really like working three to four hours a day. I did need to go back a little right. bit. So we moved you into an office. So that kind of, we had to rearrange our house for this and just rearranging the house in itself, our bedroom from upstairs to downstairs. And then we, you know, your office, yeah, we, we got gave Amanda our, be- our bedroom. We moved into a different bedroom. It's a whole, it's yeah, a whole yeah. thing. We got Kate, we got an office outside of the house now. So like there was so much change happening at one time. And it's like, you know, the girls were like, what is going on here? But now our company has an HQ that is not our house. And that feels really cool. My office is dreamy. So uh, once I design HQ, it, maybe I'll, maybe I'll show HQ it on just, Instagram. Just navigates wherever you're, you're at. I am HQ. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> no, but that feels like more. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's really not, you got it's a nice been space. Really, I also just want to say like, it's been really good for our marriage to have me have an office outside the home because the boundary between work and family life and marriage time feels more 
strong than like I would walk out of the room into the like my office into the kitchen and then I was just like at home. It's way better all the way around. So it's feeling really good. It's way, pe- way more peaceful. Like the girls, because Kate's office was, yeah, as she said, right off the kitchen. So it's just like a much better place. And actually, that's a perfect segue into our topic today, because today we are talking about the only societally celebrated addiction that we have uh, that I know Work. of. Yeah. And it's spoiler alert. It's working. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to dive deeper into this topic because it really came up for me over the last couple of weeks with Amanda joining our family. So what, it's come up for me this whole year. Yeah. And I mean, it's come yeah. up for so many of us, right? As things came to a standstill with quarantine and then and then certainly, you know, what's been on my mind a lot lately and just in my heart is thinking about our work around equality and equity and like what even (laughs) like when like there are communities being harmed today right now when there are millions of men incarcerated and women and people who really have no business being there like then what's our relationship to work when we're so deeply aware of the pain and inequities in our world like for me that's just been an interesting question like okay given what's going on in the world and the future that i know is possible does this blog post matter (laughs) does this instagram live matter and like if it does how can i make it contribute to our collective liberation and healing as opposed to like just have it be another check off item right Mm -hmm. and so Anyway, what happened is I wasn't really able to work a lot through the spring and I moved through my own feelings about that. And that was really hard. And I noticed one of the things we talked about this in the episode about how to plan when you can't plan. I noticed how uncomfortable I was without being able to plan. So I noticed the degree to which even though the do less planner system was created to I didn't realize I was doing this at the time, but what I realized the Do Less Planner system does for me is it pops me into a place of wholeness and rest and restore so that I can create from that place as opposed to from a place of fight, flight, or freeze or reactivity. And however, I did still notice that there was a large, well, whatever, there was a part of me that needed, that thought I needed to be able to plan long-term in order to feel safe. And when that was removed, I felt really anxious. So I moved through that and, you know, anyway, we've been on our own journeys and you said this came up for you in the last year. And so I'm gonna pop it over to you in a minute. Well, no, it's something different than what you're talking about. Just like work and in the relationship with work. Our relationship to work, yeah. So you're saying like we have our 12, we have earlier this year. We should take these down. Serious? Well. Or maybe just read. I don't know. What I think we should. We should do. Yeah, I don't know. We can leave them up for now. We have enough going on. I don't. I don't need to take these things down <laughs> right now. We have twelve giant calendars on the wall on the right side of this, like where we're recording this in our basement, and it has what the year was supposed to be planned out. So you're saying when you look at this, we're in almost in July, right? You feel comfort and safety and security to say, like, okay, I know what I'm doing through December. Well, not not now, but no, I no, no. did. Old Kate, like Old previous Kate. Kate. Yeah, January Kate did feel that way. But, you know, as we're talking about this, here's the irony. We would map out the plans, right? It would always change. And then it, would, it inevitably changes. And so, I don't know. You know, I think that, like, this is something I haven't completely nailed down. And, of course, there's always going to be things we don't know. And that is, I think for me... Having a structure that I know Mm -hmm. then has flexibility is really important as opposed to if there was no structure, like no plan for our company and the way we run and having team members and needing long range projects. I don't think we could just fly by the seat of our pants like we used to when we started out, right? Like where we right. would be like one week, we would be like, let's launch this thing. And then yeah. we would just like do it. The we have next too week. many people. We have too many people. We also have children. Like it just doesn't work yeah. that way anymore. But at the same time, I think there needs to be flexibility in the It's not like my long. friend Brett. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> so he's amazing. Do you want to back that up with anything? <laughs> yeah, it just he doesn't have kids and he's single and he's just like texting me what he's doing now. It's like I'm practicing soccer, I'm out walking, he's you know, doing just... 15,000 steps a day. He's yeah, learning to juggle to, a soccer yeah. ball. He learned to juggle I, three balls with his hands. Three balls with his hands. He's learning to juggle a soccer ball. He wants to get up to 100 juggles with a soccer ball on his feet, you know, and he's just like doing all these spontaneous things and he's like i'm just gonna get disciplined here you know he's eating he went back to eating vegan he like got off of it for a while and he went back you know it's just like i was like wow that's amazing so anyway anyway so what came up for me after so amanda arrived and i got an office basically in the same week yes it was all at the same it was all at the same time and we also were hiring a new integrator operations manager all at that same time also. Yes. Mm-hmm. We had nine kind of major projects happening at once. Right. Yeah, it wasn't very do less. <laughs> so, so I kind of like went from, I don't want to say I went from zero to 60, but I went from like 30 to 80. I would say like mm-hmm. I was tootling along in a suburban neighborhood and then suddenly I was on like the super highway. And working a lot more hours out of the home, which I've actually never done before. And it was great at first. And then all of a sudden, I kind of got feeling a little... (laughs) I get really... You may have realized this if you've been listening for a while. Mike knows this about me. I am anxious leaning. And so I started to kind of worry about like, oh my... (laughs) This is, we're talking, this had been going on for two weeks. I started worrying about like, oh my God, my kids are going to grow up and leave the house and I'm going to miss their child. (laughs) And I have some wounds about that from my own childhood and it's all, you know, I'm working on it with my therapist, but it was definitely like... I felt suddenly like a terrible mother. I was like, you know, my toddler was crying so much with the new, with our au pair that our neighbor was checking in to be like, I've heard a lot of crying. Is everything okay over there? And, you know, and it was just, it was bringing up all my own childhood, like trauma about my own stuff being left. And it was, it was, I had severe separation anxiety until I was 16. So we're not going to unpack that today, but just so you know, like the baseline. So that the triggering of that with the toddler, with Ruby crying was just like, I had to say to Mike, I was like, I actually don't think I can handle having to leave with Ruby crying. So like, can you do it? And you no, did. but I was already doing it, right? So, so when Kate's going to the office and working all the time, I'm juggling this back and forth between Amanda because Amanda's brand new here trying to ha- figure out and then, you know, speaks, understands like maybe 50% of the things that are coming out of my mouth. She's really understands a lot if I text it to her. And then if I slow down Which is sim- really similar. I, yeah, I understand Spanish. Spanish the same way. I can read it really well and understand. But if somebody's talking to me, I'm like, uh. <laughs> so, yeah, we had a, we had a conversation where... You know, Kate was leaving in the morning at like 7.50 and then the rest of the time I was helping Amanda out with what was going on with Ruby and I would leave the house and Ruby would just scream for the first couple of days for an hour and a half like straight and I finally was like, okay, I'll be back home. Like she wouldn't calm down. She wouldn't go to Amanda. So it was just a lot of change that was taking place and like, you know, like I knew theoretically, I guess you could say that this was going to happen. Like I was just like, I knew there's going to be a transition. I was like, the month of June is going to be a transition with a new person moving in with Ruby, the et cetera, and with Penelope. But then when you're in the moment, it's a whole different ball game. So I think the then next your body time, feels it. right. And I think the next time we do something that's along these lines of big, what we could build in is this body space let's say or whatever we want to call it but like if i was to look back to say what would i do different like for next time it's like okay knowing amanda's going to show up and the first two weeks are probably going to be pretty intense so it's like clear my calendar of everything that's happening for those two weeks and just like try to do nothing like work out like do the bare minimum like that keeps me happy and the rest of the time i'm just there yeah you know and i think for big transition changes etc that could be very helpful in the future that when we could implement that into our lives because that that might make it go easier because what happened was amanda showed up and i had 
all these other things to do. We are moving you into a new office. We had stuff going on that's at our house. We had business things. We're interviewing this new person. Like we're hiring a new person. So there's all this balancing of all this other stuff. And it created more stress than ease yes. in a way. Well, it was a great example of too much. Yes. I will say at that same time, being in the middle of a hiring process that we desperately needed this person. Yes, we correct. had been running captain list for three and a half months with me sort of trying to be the captain for three hours a day, sort of, but actually also mostly serving our customers. So it was like, it was not awesome. I think we did a pretty great job, all things considered. The wheels didn't come off. Nope. And then also at the same time, there has been this tremendous awakening around race in the United yep. States and in the world. And so navigating that, not so much personally, yes, certainly, but navigating that as somebody who serves a community of over a thousand female entrepreneurs who were having a lot of feelings as they mm -hmm. just, yep and just supporting them to figure out how they were going to be showing up in this moment. It didn't feel like I had the... No, you had to option. show up. I didn't really feel yeah. like I had the option of like, oh, let me take two weeks off and help, you know, and be at home during this time. And like, so... But I will say I prioritized... I did prioritize my body. And so I kept, mm -hmm. I kept my workouts and sleep, food, supplements, like all of that was really important. Okay. But the reason I bring this up, and then I reached out to, I, I'm part of a Voxer thread mastermind where we get together about four times a year in person to do hot seats. And then we just start on Voxer, you know, a couple times a week back and forth with a group yeah, of women. This is, I just want to pause before you, is that okay? I just want to say something about what you're creating right there. Okay. Like with these women. Oh, great. So a lot of times we hear, it's like, I don't have anybody to talk to about my business. I don't have any of this. I don't have any of that, right? There's a lot of things with customers. Like, I'm not sure who to talk to. Kate just formed, she's done this a couple times where it's just three or four women. I've done it since I started business. Yeah. And it's with friends. And now those relationships come and go, like, or those groups, I should say, come yeah, and go. It doesn't mean do. the relationships dissolve, but just... Sometimes it's like, they do. Yeah, sometimes they do. But like for a year, you're just meeting with these four women. You're in part of a boxer group. You're kicking around people's idea, like each other's ideas. Like you're responding to each of one of them. And it's not like you're not, there's no money transaction taking place. This is not a mastermind official like. You it's know, a peer-led mastermind. It's a peer-led mastermind, right? So I feel like that's, it's really been helpful for you to do those type of things. And maybe I should set one of those up for myself. Now that I I'm would highly yeah, recommend it. Great. And I can think of the number one person I would have on there, but I'll tell you after. Um, Somebody we just interviewed. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> so there's, there, we, we have two now. We also did an episode on how to, why to, and how to join a mastermind. Yeah. And that's linked in the show notes. That was last August. Mm -hmm. So check out that episode. Certainly, of course, like we're not saying, you know, non-paid is better than paid. Right, paid is no. better than non-paid. Just like get a group, circle yeah. up. And if you want to be on the wait list for the Origin Mastermind, we'll be probably opening up enrollment for that in the fall. You can go to origincollective.com forward slash incubator and you can get on the wait list for that. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so I reached out. It had been days of me sort of feeling this angst around like I'm working too much. I miss my kids. But at the same time, I have this new person running our team, running our company, and I need to onboard her. And also, like, I haven't really worked for three and a half months or like not to the degree that I usually do. So there's about like and I felt really sheepish reaching out to them, quite frankly, because I was like, I... <laughs> I said like this is really embarrassing I'm reaching out because I don't know how to organize my schedule like in a way that really serves my needs and I feel like I'm working too much and I miss my kids but I felt so creatively backlogged and so I want to actually work this much but I don't know what to do and I was like I can't believe like this is what I do for a living and I feel so like it took me days to reach out to them because I felt really silly and they were so great and like gave me all sorts of things to think about and great questions to ask. And it really helped me calm my anxiety about feeling like I was going to miss my children's child. 
<laughs> which I know just saying that seems so silly, but I just like, that's where I go to. I go really yeah. like, oh my God, their childhood is over and I've completely fucked it up. And I'm a terrible mother because, you know, for two weeks I worked 40 hours instead of, you know, 15 hours. So this is behind the, you know, very much behind the scenes. I'm just telling the truth over here. So I reworked my schedule, but basically that was like a logistical thing. But the reason we wanted to get together with you today is to talk about the not the logistical side of the scheduling, because we can always get that handled. But what ends up happening is the logistics of the scheduling and the planning of our lives and the planning of our work, which P.S., the things you have on your schedule is your life. That's why I love talking about planning and scheduling so much, because it is your life. Like what you do with your time is your life. I, I, I literally can't think of anything that matters more than what you are investing your limited time on the planet in this lifetime in. That sentence was tricky, but I think you know what I'm saying. So the logistics are one thing, like how do you plug it in? But what we really need to get to the core of is what is the fuel source we are burning? Are we burning the fuel source of proving or are we burning the fuel source of passion? And those are two very different fuel sources for our ambitions, for our dreams. And I've, I've been working with the incubator and the mastermind around this. We've really been in this conversation for the last couple of months. So the great accepted, celebrated addiction in our culture is workaholism, is doing more always. It's completely acceptable to come home late from the office because you had more things to do. It's completely celebrated to, you know, log 80 hours and it's accepted to not take care of your body for years because you've been chasing a dream or chasing a goal. It's very common for marriages to not work out or relationships to not work out because of one or the other person's relationship to work. It's very common for children to feel you know, disconnected from their parents because their parents are so focused on work because we've been wired by toxic capitalism, white supremacy and patriarchy to believe that the more we do, the more valuable we are. Mm -hmm. And that is a lie. It's a lie. And I saw the most beautiful meme today on Instagram about moving at your body's rhythm. I just, I actually need to share it because it was so powerful the way she worded this. Okay. So she says, this is Jeevan Singh. JeevanSingh.co. When I follow the pace of my body, I defy white supremacy. When I follow the pace of my body, I defy capitalism. When I follow the pace of my body, I defy patriarchy. When I follow the pace of my body, I honor myself. And when I follow the pace of my body, I honor my ancestors. When I follow the pace of my body, I honor the earth. Hmm. I mean, honestly, I don't even think we need to record the episode because that's basically it. <laughs> but let's let's unpack it. Let's talk about that. And if that resonated in your body as you were listening, I'm so glad you're here because that is the antidote to workaholism. And that is what I am here to teach is get in your body defy the toxicity that has kept us changed to the systems that oppress us, the systems that limit us instead of liberate us. And when we tap into our source, which lives in our bodies, everything works itself out. Like it is the solution. But workaholism is the toxin. It's the toxic water that we're drinking. It's the toxic air that we're breathing. And unfortunately, differently than drug addiction, alcoholism, other addictions, when you are walking around as a workaholic, you are cheered on for the behavior. And so it's enforced. It's self-enforced from our society. And then it's self-enforced internally because when we get externally celebrated for the grind, then we think, oh, well, let me do more of that. And it continues and it continues and it continues. And we become less and less connected from who we are, what we're here to do on the planet, who we're here to serve, and also less and less connected to the earth and humanity. Because overworking, workaholism is a numbing behavior. 
it's a trauma behavior. And Dr. Elizabeth Cohen, who's in the Origin Mastermind, she wrote a piece on psychology today about an awareness that she had gotten, you know, through some of the work we've been doing together and through some of the work in her own therapy, that her overworking was actually a result of her, it it was a stand-in for boundaries. So it was always acceptable to be working. So she could say like, I can't go to that thing with my family because I have work to do. I can't do this other thing, but oh, it's because I'm so busy. It's because I'm working so much. It's because I have so much to do. And she articulated that her overworking was a stand-in for boundaries that she was too, you know, I, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but you can read the piece. It's linked in the show notes, but like that she didn't know how to set proper boundaries. So she just used her working as a boundary instead. And I'm sure that at least one person listening is like, ding, 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 ding. Because in families, if you came from an overachieving family, super focused on education and success and whatever, which is like a lot of families, (laughs) um, of course, it would have been an acceptable thing to say like, oh, I can't do this because I'm working. And so therefore, it gave you a celebrated out instead of just being like, yeah, no. <laughs> right? Like, I don't actually want to do that. And I'm going to stay home and read a book instead. <laughs> or whatever it was. So just be thinking, you know, be thinking about that. So I've rambled because I'm coffee infused right now. I'm going to pause. And do you want to talk about, Mike, your own relationship? You've been on this pretty incredible journey mm-hmm. over the last, well, however long. So why don't you share? Yeah. Work in the relate, and it's interesting too. Like even just who we listen to on our daily, yes, right. Like who? Because I used to, you know, I've talked a lot about Gary Vaynerchuk on this podcast, and I've been following Gary for like twelve years. He's impressive, but he gives me hives. Right, like how much he works, and like people, and then he documents the whole thing, right? And it's like hustle and hard work pays off, and he has this whole, which is great, but it's also like. What I realized like a couple of years ago, I was like, okay, so this dude, his wife is, she's a stay-at-home mom, takes care of the two kids, right? So he has the kids covered, right? I was just thinking of this from a logistical perspective. I'm like, kids are taken care of. He doesn't have to worry about his children. Like his wife is there. They have an agreement. You know, he's talked about this public. I don't really know him. I don't know what their situation is, but he has an agreement with his wife and like what the situation is between their family. So she takes care of the children. All right. Then travel. He doesn't book his own plane tickets. He doesn't book any of his own travel. He said the heart, he can run a company of 700 people, but booking a plane ticket, he'll like have a heart attack. I do resonate with that. Right. So no, <laughs> also, just, also filling out a form. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Me too. I would rather I, hot poker in my eyes. Yeah. Fill out filling a out a form for me is so hard. And it's like, and it's so easy for Kate to write stuff, but she resists it more than I do. And it's because amazing. Because forms are not writing. I know, I know, I know. Just stay with We can talk about that later, you and your forms. So then I was like, okay, so he, so kids done. I have to take care, like I have more of a one-on-one role with my kids than like Gary does. And then booking travel. I'm booking our travel for our family. Okay, great. Well, that could get off my plate if I wanted it to, et cetera. Or if we were in a pandemic and we weren't going anywhere. Yeah, piece of cake. <laughs> no travel to book. You know, just like I started going down the list of things that I'm doing versus, and then I was like, okay, he's putting out a ton of social media content how can we kind of do that with Kate Northrup's brand? But I'm like, he has nine people that their whole full-time job is just to pump out content on all these different platforms. And I'm also not interested in being filmed all day. Right. So I was just like, okay, that's not realistic. So it's just like, I was like, I have to step back a little bit. So I just step back and I just, you know, I check in to see what Gary's doing because he is smart. He's always ahead of the curve. When TikTok was just getting started, he's like, it's going to blow up and look what happened. It blew up. Same thing with Snapchat, same thing with Twitter. Like he's smart, right? He sees the future and the vision of what's taking place. And he, what he does is he just watches data, right? And so he looks at all of this stuff. So then, you know, I'm watching Kevin Hart's documentary when I was eating lunch yesterday. It's on Netflix. And he is just going on and on and on about like how much I work and how much I do and how much I can fit in and how much I can get done and all of this stuff. And he filmed this before he had his car accident, right? And so before he was, his physical body was taken out, right? But then he's, so 
he's talking about how much he's getting done, but then his trainer's like waiting two and a half hours for him to show up. Right. And I'm like, this dude is like in my own head. I was just like, he is working him to burnout stage and he can't even show up for what the thing he's going to do. But then you're going to brag about like, I'm working so much. So this is me, Mike, Mike's assumption. So for me, it was just like, look. And so I just started listening to people's stories, listen to how they're talking about this. And what happened with, you know, it's like when you started Origin in, when was that? March of 2017. So it's when it went live. But the idea came in like the December of 2016. In December of 2016. Right. Yeah. So it's been about three years since you started Origin. And that's the membership community. And you can get on the wait list over there at origincollective.com. Oh, oh snap. Little drip, drip, drip there. Plugging it out. So basically... That was the moment when I look back on it was the moment where it was like separating kind of Kate and I working together in the form that we were previously working because the origin community is for people who identify as a woman, right? Did I say that correctly? Yeah. People who identify as women. Right. Okay. So I'm not in origin because I'm a, I identify as a man, right? So men are not allowed inside of the program because it creeps or that's not true. Okay. We actually have men who have signed up for Origin. Oh, no. They are not allowed in the Facebook group. Right. But they are welcome to access the content. Right. So within the community, being a part and interacting with the community, I haven't been able to be a part of that. So it's something that I've looked at. And so that was the moment where our kind of trajectory of like our working relationship changed. And so it's been on this journey for kind of three years. And then it's also changed my reality of day to day because as you're running a business and you hire more people, you doing all the stuff doesn't happen anymore because you have team members who are, are you helping. saying you meaning me or the proverbial you or what, what exactly are you? Who, who's I'm talking you? about myself? Okay. So me. So me. Okay. Got it. You. I don't know. Let me rephrase. Now you got me confused. I'm talking about myself great. inside of our company. Okay. Okay. Great. So as it's confusing when someone's talking about yes. themselves and they say you. Okay. Well, I can. Confu- I don't even remember what I said. So let's start over. So basically, as Kate was building up Origin and taking it to this manner, it was like I was sitting on the sideline, like, what is happening here? Right. Starting kind of noticing this transition taking place to realize we are working ourselves out of this dynamic that we have been in before. And we also had two children at the time. Right. So then I went from working to I would say being especially when your book came out in 2019 well first I got sick right and then I had to take care of my body which we've talked about on this podcast and then your book came out in April of 2019 and then it kind of became the primary parent role or the I don't know but it like parenting defaulted to me when you were traveling speaking etc and so that dynamic of like I identified so much to work right like I am valuable because I can work and make money, right? And so, it's, there was so much value attributed to that. And then we've talked about this on our podcast before. It's like, okay, Kate is the face of everything and out there speaking and then she's making money. But then that brings up stuff for her as well, like the patriarchal societal norms of bringing and making income. Yeah, and the can, brainwashing yeah. around being a woman and thinking that you should be provided for financially. Like, we'll do a whole other episode about right. that. So then... It also changed to like when we were building our house, for instance, or we weren't really building it. We bought a spec house and we had to make final decisions. We were finishing it. But just even like managing the landscape project that we had put in a couple of years ago. I never I don't identify those things as work, even though they require a tremendous amount of energy. If I'm managing the subcontractors and the people and paying the bills, making sure this is getting done, that's getting done. And if it were like, up to me, our lawn would be 20 feet high and we would be like nothing would ever happen. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't grass. I don't I'm not that excited about grass. But, but I'm just saying. Yes. No one would get paid. Like, it would right. Not so be, yeah. it's like, what is it in my head that was identifying? What do I consider work? Right. Like sometimes I would be so tired that I'd be like, I'm going to go to work and I show up at the office and I get nothing done for like two to three hours. Right. I'm just like there spacing out. I like read a book. But it's like instead of just saying like, you know what, I'm going to chill and read a book and listen to what my body's saying is actually what Kate was talking about. That has been the transition that I've been on, especially since 2018 when I was really sick with my skin stuff. 
And noticing, especially leading into once I started working with Raw in January and this year too, it's like, what is my body kind of telling me to focus on and to navigate this year when it comes to work? And it's like doing the minimum for our company, helping out as we're bringing new people on, training them, moving that direction and really setting up the framework that allows you to be successful in what you're doing and that you by meaning Kate um, here allows her to shine her light and make sure the framework and the foundation is instilled for that to take place. Right. And so that sometimes when I was watching the Bill Gates series a couple, you know, a few months ago or whatever, and he would take a week off just to think about stuff and whatever you think about Bill Gates at this point in time, just like, well, mainlining diet Coke. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Bill Gates. He was drinking his Diet Coke. <laughs> it cracks me up. Here's to world health. <laughs> anyway, that episode, this episode is not about that. No. I just like it cracked me up is like the amount of people that have negative experience with Diet Coke and the Bill Gates of how smart he is and how much he reads these super complicated books and is able to understand it in his brain and his whole thing just sitting in his random thing a week but maybe that's his pleasure thing so you know it's like him and warren buffett warren buffett drinks his regular coke and bill gates drinks his diet coke but he has think weeks and i was like wow that's i mean he's also you know multi-billionaire can do whatever he wants but But i think we could all nope hold on okay don't don't jump don't just wait and so he gets the space and he's like goes and sits in a room for a week and just thinks and he's like maybe i'll go for a walk maybe i'll write maybe i'll do this and it just allows freedom so what kate was about to say is that we can all incorporate that somehow into our own lives regardless of where our situation is how much money we're making what our jobs and careers are where we have that space of like just to listen to our bodies and what that's telling us to experience what that's like so this year for me has been and it's still challenging because i fall into the past addictive patterns of saying like okay i gotta create this now i gotta do this now i get this idea it's like yeah let's implement it right now you know and instead of sitting like okay i got this idea let me sit with it for a day because if it's really meaningful it'll come back if it's not that meaningful or not something i have to take action on right now it'll just go away right and it'll just kind of fade away but then there's also the other side of is noticing when I am going to work, like, what am I resisting doing? What's becoming boring? What do I feel like dragging me down? And be like, okay, if these things are dragging me down, what do I need to get rid of, right? Kind of like what you've been talking about with managing the company. So yeah, it's just like work does not have to be hard either, right? right? It can be super enjoyable and fun. So there's a beautiful book called Flow, by Mikhail Csikszentmihalyi. And I want to give a shout out to Professor Joseph Middleman, who was my favorite professor in college, one of them. He has since passed away. And he, I just like really want to honor him and anyone else who might be listening who took entrepreneurship and good work, send me a DM. I want to say hi. So in that course, his question for the semester was, is it possible to make good money, enjoy your work, and make an incredible impact on the world at the same time. And I honestly feel like that question is also the question of my life's work. And I just really want to like, you know, give a shout out to him. He also came out like in his 50s, I think, after being married with two kids. And I just, yeah, he's an incredible guy. So... Anyway, he had us read Mikhail Csikszentmihalyi's book, Flow, about the state of when we lose track of time. And this is, I've talked about this a lot, certainly in my book, Do Less, we talk about it in Origin. We've talked about it here on the podcast that there are two different kinds of time, according to the ancient Greeks. So there is Kairos and Kronos. Kronos is the time we understand like it's you know that this podcast is about an hour long and you know after you listen to this podcast you may have an appointment at a certain time and Kronos time is chronological time it's linear each time block is equal to the other time block and it is assumed that there's just this amount of time and when we are in Kronos it helps keep the world organized I'm a big fan and also it lends itself to having a lack-based relationship with time because it lends itself to feeling like 
you are running out of it time and there's only so much. Kairos, on the other hand, is timeless time. So in Csikszentmihalyi's book, Flow, he talks about that we can get into a state where we are just challenged enough and also just joyful enough that we completely lose track of time. And for each of us, we'll have different, and that during those flow states, we're actually doing our best work. So it's not about complete ease, where like you don't have to think about it, but there has to be a little bit of challenge, but it can't be so much challenge that it feels like a slog because then you're not in flow anymore. So I want you to think about as you're listening to this, when was the last time you were in this flow state where you lost track of time, you were doing work, you felt energized by it. When you completed the work, you felt like, wow, that felt really good. And also the work was really good. That is the state when we all create our best work. But what's required for that to happen is for us to actually detach from time. Now, workaholism is dependent upon our addiction to chronos, chronological time, and believing that the more linear blocks of hours, the more linear time we put in, the better the work will be. There is no evidence of that. We have zero evidence that the more time you spend on something, it will automatically be better. What we actually need is more flow. And so when we get into flow, that's when we know we do our best work. And it could take five minutes or it could take five hours or five days. The amount of time it takes is completely irrelevant. You mean to get into flow or to be in flow? No, to be in flow, like to complete the work. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long it takes to get into flow. I don't remember. I read that book when I was, you know, 20. Yeah. <laughs> I could probably stand to read it again. But so, okay, now you've got me off track because you asked that question. Uh, there was something important that I was going to say. Talking about getting, once you're in flow, how long it lasts. I don't know. You've got me off track. Now I'm annoyed. <laughs> It's good. So anyway, we really need to be thinking about how are we relating to time and how are we relating to work and know that the quality of our work leads to the impact of our work. And what we all need to be focused on if we want to dismantle white supremacy, patriarchy and toxic capitalism is quality over quantity. Workaholism keeps us connected to quantity. It's all about tallying achievements, to-do list items, hours, money, followers. It's all about quantity. Quality is about impact and really being in relationship with the way that you are being and how it impacts your body your family, your community, your city, your state, your town, all of that and the world. So toxic capitalism says that profit matters more than people. Profit matters more than Mm well-being. Profit matters more than the earth. But when we get detached from that, when we disconnect the way we work from toxic capitalism and workaholism, and we actually give ourselves permission to take breaks, to enjoy our work, to stop thinking that the only way work can be good is from you having to have suffered enough during the process of putting that work out. Like when we get out of that paradigm, the work we actually do, we might do less of it, but it has a bigger impact from a healing perspective, from a healing capacity. Because the kind of work that comes from a flow state when you're in Kairos is the kind of work that infuses the world with the nutrients and the guidance and the next steps we actually need to become the next best version of ourselves and to heal from you know so many years 
of oppression and lack and limitation and ill health. So what we instead need to do is get out of that paradigm and into a paradigm where you don't have to be a billionaire to take a week off to think. Mm -hmm. If we all, no matter what our income level, no matter what our status in life, which P.S. the word status is just like, it's ridiculous, but whatever state we are in our life i would wherever rather say we are wherever we are in our life, life right now if we all popped out and decided we were going to operate in a different paradigm we actually would change the system because the system depends on us grinding the systems that keep people stuck depend on us overworking because overworking is really destabilizing overworking and workaholism keeps us tired. And you know what tired people can't do? They can't innovate and they can't see outside the box and they can't think through possibilities that haven't existed before. They're so focused head down on the grind that they can't see that they're breathing toxic air and drinking toxic water, literally and metaphorically. And so overworking actually is the very thing keeping us sick mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And instead, it's the rest that, yes, like we think, oh, okay, well, I need rest because, so here's the thing about rest. We might think either I've earned rest because I've worked a certain amount or I need rest to balance out the amount I've worked, Mm -hmm. right? No, 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 no. Rest is the medicine. So we think work is the medicine. Rest is actually the medicine. Rest is the medicine we need so badly. And there's a beautiful, beautiful account, which really is speaking for black people and people of color. So I just want to honor that I understand that this account is not necessarily designed for me, but I really want to recommend checking out the nap ministry. So at the nap ministry on Instagram is one of the most powerful accounts I have found for interrupting the system interrupting the belief that the harder something is, the more valuable it is. Our liberation needs us to rest. Like it needs us to take a break. It needs us to take a think week. It needs us to take a real vacation. One of the assignments I gave some of my high level women was schedule an actual break. Like when was the last time you actually took a week off? And they were like, oh, you know, I do, I take time off all the time, right? But when they went back in your, their calendars, many of them were shocked to find it had been years mm-hmm. since they actually took a week off. Now, our life has been a little bit different because I took, you know, like an extended maternity leave and there have been different kinds of breaks. Also, when you have kids, there's like you know, pauses built in. We don't have as many pauses, children, child free, but maybe someday we will. And I know it's a seasonal thing, <laughs> but I really want to, like, I know I'm I'm talking a lot right now, but there's a lot to say and think into here. What is your relationship to work? And are you working to avoid feeling? Are you working to avoid what might come up if you were still? And I guarantee you, The things that come up in stillness and rest are the very things that you need to heal, that your family needs in order to heal, and that our world needs in order to heal. Rest is the medicine. Yes? I'm just letting people rest to get the medicine. Would you like like me to say something? (laughs) Yeah, feel free. I mean, I have plenty more I could say, like some steps that people can take. And I also have an invite for you, which I'm really excited about. Why don't we talk a little bit about what distracts us from the resting, right? Like being with ourselves can be very uncomfortable, but why is it uncomfortable? What happens How do we not? Okay, let me rephrase this. How do we keep ourselves from our flow state? Oh, well, by doing too many projects, by starting too many things. So what ends up happening is when you do too many projects at the same time, they cannibalize on each other. Right. So you can't actually do any of them to the degree that we're, again, we're looking for quality, not quantity. So it was really interesting. I was doing a training 
for the incubator the other day and I had showed them what I call the sacred triangle, which I've seen, you know, different times in different capacities. But the sacred triangle is sort of like your customer journey. So it's an upside down triangle with the wide part at the top and the narrow part at the bottom. Looks like a funnel. It looks like a funnel. Yep. It also, yeah. Like a funnel in your kitchen. Yes. Yes. And so at the top is sort of like the free ways that people can engage with your content. And then as you go down, you have fewer and fewer people engaging Mm -hmm. at these different levels, but they are investing more and more of their money and time and energy with you. And so I was explaining to them sort of the different layers that we have in our sacred triangle in our company. And one, oh no, this was in the, this was in the mastermind. So we have a bunch of things sort of at the second tier, which is low low investment. So you can get my books, you can get the do less planner. And by the way, I totally understand that low investment is completely relative. So I understand that, you know, the do less planner is a high investment for Mm -hmm. some folks. It's $50. So it could be a it's $50 or 25. If you get the digital version, you can go over to katenorthrop.com forward slash planner. They are coming soon. Get on the wait list. So I also said we have two courses in that category. One is called The Freedom of the Feminine. One is called A Course in Having Enough. They're both like $47 price point or $49 price point or something like that. And then, you know, my whatever. So those things. One of the women was like, oh, I need more things in that category because she saw that I had all these things in that category. And she was like, I only have these two eBooks. And I was like, no, 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 no. Isn't that interesting how we automatically go to I'm doing it wrong because I don't have as much. But maybe simplicity is the best choice. Like maybe having less in that category is actually smarter because it allows you to invest your resources in making those two little ebooks become the little engine that could instead of spreading yourself so thin over all these different products and trying to figure out how am I going to put attention on all of them? How am I going to let the world know about all of them? How am I going to? And P.S. like we don't put attention on all of those things. Every now and again, somebody buys those two courses, but we put literally zero time and attention on marketing them because we're doing other things, right? So it's a perfect example of why more is not necessarily better. And I said, no, 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 no. Do not go writing another ebook or creating a, you know, lower investment course. You double down on those ebooks. Like if they're life-changing, if they're helping your people, get more eyeballs on those things. Fertilize what you already planted instead of planting something new. Nine times out of 10, I want you to fertilize what you already planted instead of planting something new. The number of, you know, ungone through courses that people have, the number of unread books, the number of project ideas that have been half started and not completed. I mean, the number of loose ends we have in our lives is ridiculous when you think about it. And then we go out and we're like, oh, the solution to my problem is to do more. The default, we have been programmed to believe that more is the solution. And it's just not like it's almost never the solution. Even if we want more impact, more income, usually the solution is actually less. And I'll give you a practical example of that. In 2018, we had a debacle that unfortunately coincided with Mike's illness and us having a newborn baby while we had a toddler, which is that while we weren't paying much attention, our open rates went from an average of about 20% to uh, an average of about 9% overnight, and they did not rebound, and we weren't watching. And so that impacted our company in a variety of ways, but it was not awesome. I will tell you that much. And so we went through a journey of repairing our IP address, cleaning up our email list, changing providers. I don't think we really need to get into the details of that, because, (laughs) or do you want to? It's not necessary. It's not necessary. At the end of the day, we did a lot of switcherooing and Mike led this project and there was some great learning experiences in the process. And we ended up culling our list. So we ended up deleting. Culling? Culling. What is that? Clearing, removing, decluttering. We ended up removing about 50% of our email list, Mm -hmm. if not more. Right? So we deleted. more. Yeah. Okay. So we do. I think we deleted about 50,000 people. So we deleted 50,000 people from our email list and cleaned it right up. We healed our IP. 
our open rates went back. Now we're back to averaging around 20%. It's amazing. And that year, we deleted 50,000 people, 50,000 subscribers. We quadrupled our profit. There is a perfect example of less equals more. So you would think, oh, you need a bigger email list. Why would you ever delete 50,000 people from your list? Because it was time to prune, my friends. (laughs) And when we pruned, we became four times more profitable. So workaholism. We still need to give people some more tips on things that keep them out of the flow state. Oh, well, doing more projects. That was uh, uh, (laughs) doing less projects. Not more projects. Doing more projects keeps you out of the flow state. Yes. Correct. Being focused on, you know, I feel like it's a it's a deep human need for us to be seen and feel like we belong. But there's a toxic need to be seen. I think especially on the internet and with social media that it's like people can get into a place of, and I've gotten into this place myself, which is why I'm speaking about it, where it feels like your business starts to try to meet an unmet childhood need of being seen and acknowledged. And like no amount of likes on Instagram is ever going to help you feel that way. I know for me, that's not really my deep core wound. So it's not a huge issue for me. I have other deep core (laughs) wounds that I've tried to meet in unhealthy ways. But trying to like having our business or our achievements be the source of feeling like we are enough and that we are lovable is a very dangerous game. That is going to distract you from being in a state of flow because a state of flow, so it's so cool, right? Okay, so it's this really, it's like ironic in a beautiful way. When we are in a flow state instead of in a workaholic state, a flow state actually feels good just for the sake of it feeling good. Like in the way that sometimes when I do craft projects with Penelope, it's like the gluing on of the tiny pom-poms is the point. I know we're going to throw away that piece of construction paper eventually, right? Like I am not looking for a result particularly. It's the process. And what's so amazing about work that we allow to feel good. And when we find that flow state, and P.S., if you don't know what I'm talking about and you're like super far from this, I highly recommend reading Ra Goddess's book, The Calling, mm-hmm. and doing some work around identifying your calling. We had a woman in origin yesterday who's been really like in this inquiry for a while. And she had a total eureka moment that she shared that as she was working through our origin material and as she was working through Ra's book, she finally really landed on her calling. It was like this huge, huge moment for her. That work is like so valuable. But when we are in this state of flow, like the result doesn't matter because it feels so good to just be doing the thing itself. And then the great irony is that the work actually becomes more impactful because it was done in a state of flow as opposed to in a state of workaholism. So The flow state, the being in suspended, timeless time, the allowing yourself to actually feel good in the process, the allowing yourself to do less but better, actually has the result that you think that working more is going to get you, which is that the flow state work actually has a bigger impact in the end because it's the medicine. Like work that comes through relaxation, work that comes through rest, that's allowed to have spaciousness in it is the very work that ends up shifting the tides, that shifts the world. Because when we're in a reactive state of hyperactivity and reading more and working more and doing more and thinking we're not doing enough and in that space, we can't actually feel. And we actually really need to feel in order to heal, which sounds really cheesy, but it's actually true. Like if you want to heal it, you have to feel it. And white supremacy. Can you say that again? If you want to heal it, you need to feel it. Toxic capitalism, white supremacy, and the patriarchy depend on us overworking to avoid feeling. Because if all of us, white, straight, cisgender men included, would allow ourselves to feel, we couldn't possibly keep doing the things to each other Mm -hmm. that we do. 
medical training, military training, police training. So much of the training that people go through is designed to disconnect their emotions. My parents are both medical doctors. It's astounding to witness how they can be in a tremendous emergency and remain calm and unemotional. And it's a gift in certain ways, Mm -hmm. but their medical training required them to learn how to not feel. Just ask anybody that works in the ER on a regular basis. Exactly. They've had to relearn both of them how to feel in the second half of their lives because the training they got for their careers required them not to feel. And that's really the case for so many careers. But what if we allowed our feelings and the way we feel to inform our work instead of if the way we felt informed our work instead of trying to avoid feeling in order to work or using our work as in a way to avoid feeling. So it takes practice. You know, I'm still practicing for sure. But I really think that like our, I I really think our future depends on this. I know that the earth depends on us slowing down and feeling. I know that our community, our society, the human race depends on us slowing down and allowing ourselves to feel, to feel each other and to like open our hearts and be in compassion and be actually in relationship like with each other. And when we're addicted to work, we're just totally avoiding the very thing we need. So there you go. Thanks for listening. Yep. Thanks for listening. I'm so excited that I'm teaching a free workshop and you are invited. It's called the Overworkers Recovery Meeting. If you want to relax, unravel, and choose a new way, then head over to katenorthrop.com forward slash O-R-M. It's happening on July 14th. And I'm going to walk you through how to begin your recovery from overworking without sacrificing your results. So head over to katenorthrup.com forward slash ORM and join me for the overworkers recovery meeting.